good. We're going to look at walking out righteousness, Ephesians 5, and how important that is to do that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Everybody say, walk in love. Can you imagine what would happen if you walked in love every day? Can you imagine what would happen if nothing got you upset? You know, some of you had that intense fellowship. Some of you were frustrated. But what would happen if you just walked in love? You would be a magnet for people around you. You wouldn't even have to sing, I'm just a love machine. No, no. no you, you, you would just be a magnet. Some of you don't know that song. It's okay. It's way, it's like back in the 40s. No, just kidding. But um, anyway... If we were so full of God's love, it would be amazing how we would attract people. They would just sense that in us, and that's what God has for us, to be able to do that. Let's keep reading here. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Wait a minute. Walk in love. Look at that next part. As Christ loved us and gave himself up. Up for us. What if every marriage was willing to give themselves up for their spouse? Oh my. What if every parent was willing to give themselves up for their teenagers? Parents are like, well, I used to, but now they're teens. I don't want to do that anymore. What, what if every child was willing to give themselves? I'm, I'm just talking about the perspective. What if in our own homes we treated everybody in the house like a movie star, like they do in America? <gasps> goo goo gaga oh my gosh you're famous this is what people do they're famous did you see them they're sitting at the table over there i was at a steakhouse and as i sat down here come bobby knight in and he's sitting the table right next to us and and uh he's with a couple of guys and i'm sure they were going to go announce a game someplace but anyway all of a sudden the table started filling up with people standing around him. And I'm like, Shaloy, watch this. Because we know Coach Knight can have some explosions. And I mean, three or four back, people are just kind of, he did so good. He never got upset. He just kept eating. And he just kept eating. But people get just in awe of some type of celebrity, what if we treated one another? We're going to talk a little bit about this. We're going to look at um, Psalm 67.1 here in a little bit. But um, if we could look at each other the way God sees us and be in awe of how he created us, unique shapes, special noses, ears. For you older people, your ears get bigger as you get older. They keep growing. They never stop growing. That's the truth. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have some of my ear cut off now. No, don't do that. But what if you loved one another the way Christ wants you? To the point he was willing, and he did. He died for us. But then look at verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity, covetousness, must not even be named among you as it is proper among the saints. Whoa. 
Don't even let that stuff be named among you. Avoid that. Keep reading here. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. How many times have I been around so-called believers, even pastors, and the vulgarity coming out of their mouth blows me away? You know, we've got vulgarity, we've got the slang, we've got these words. But man, sometimes when you're shooting that stuff out, you don't realize how others around you are listening, especially younger believers, and how it offends them. I was in Bible college, and I remember a guy, man, he was dropping all types of vulgarity, and I finally stopped him because he claimed to be a, a Greek scholar on the floor that I was on, Lewis Second North down at Evangel. And, and I said, man, I just come here. i got to talk to you one-on-one. Your mouth blows me away. What do you mean? You are saying such ungodly words, but yet you're telling everybody how much you love the Lord. Don't you understand you are offending people? I said, you offend me with those words. Man, I never thought about that. Well, you say it all the time. And I said, man, you just need to start examining what's coming out of your mouth. Okay? I do believe you love the Lord, but there are many that are gonna, they're gonna stay away from you. And if you feel you're called in the ministry, you're not gonna be able to do that from the pulpit. There's a famous pastor up in Chicago, big, big church, had a big mess up and failure, but he kept dropping more vulgarity out of the pulpit. You've gotta be careful. We are to be different from the world, amen? amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're unique. You're unique. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, right, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jesus, help us this morning not only to be hearers of your word, we want to be doers of your word. We're just asking God for you to penetrate our hearts, help us to take it in, and allow it to produce fruit 
in Jesus' name, amen. There was a gal, she was about 91 or 92 years old. True story. And she got to the point, her husband had passed away two years prior, and her sight started leaving her, and she was almost blind. Finally, the family said, listen, she can't live by herself. We're going to put her in a nursing home. And so she was, they were packing her up, and, and uh, they were saying, you know, we need to take this or that. She goes, oh, that doesn't matter. It's all fine. Just take what you feel like I'm going to need. It's not going to matter. She gets there, and she says, can you describe my room to me? So they were describing it to her, and she goes, this is so beautiful, so beautiful. And one of the great-grandkids said, well, Grandma, aren't you, aren't you sad that you have to go? She goes, no. Each day I have is a blessing. And I'm moving, and I'm so excited because I know Jesus is with me. And that matters more to me than anything else. I'm excited. We've got to keep that perspective, amen? amen. Because life will wear you out. It'll get you down. So looking back at verses 1 and 2 here, and point number 1, as believers, we sometimes walk in sacrificial love. Sometimes the love that we give has to be sacrificial, especially for those in the body of Christ and our family. We have to sacrifice. We have to take steps. It's not easy to walk in sacrificial love. Amen? Imitating the life of Christ. To imitate is a verb. And, and we're to model what Jesus has done. And that's not always easy either because we're still flawed. Amen? Turn to somebody close to you and say, you are flawed. You've been one telling that a long time, but you can say the pastor told you to tell. You are flawed. <laughs> we're to walk out Jesus as believers. We're to live out his love sacrificially and not be about ourselves, which is a daily grind, a battle. I have four siblings in the house we grew up in. There were two bedrooms, so there were six of us in the family and two bedrooms and one tiny little bath. My one sister was in a baby bed in my parents' room, and my brother and my sister and I we're all in one big bed. You talk about sacrificial love. You talk about waking up when one of them's sick and it's all over the bed and you're like, oh my gosh. Sacrificial love. And you talk about pushing and pulling and tugging and it being a grind. Sometimes in life you go through that, amen? But you learn to bond with one another. You learn to love one another, to care about one another. Ephesians 4 1 says, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We're to walk in that calling. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul telling us earlier, sometimes we're to walk that walk when things get really hard. A job loss. Intense fellowship in the home. The loss of a parent. The loss of a child. 
the loss of a close friend. It's all around us, but we still trust Jesus and all those things. Amen? Amen. Psalm 67.1 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. To make your face shine upon somebody in the Hebrew, that was like they understood that to being like your face is in front of a baby and you're trying to make the baby laugh and to be joyful. And God is saying here to us, let me get in your face and allow me to bring joy into your life just like you want to bring joy into a newborn or a little one and you want them to smile. God's like, I love you so much. I just want to bring joy into your life. That's amazing about our God. Let me just read that scripture one more time. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Oh, my goodness. God wants to bring that joy. Jesus wants to impart joy to you even in the troubles that we walk in. And we all walk in troubles, amen? We're to be self-sacrificing. You know, we can accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, believe and receive. We can do that. But I want to tell you something. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost. Sometimes I think Paul's trying to discourage people when he's talking about some of this because he's like, what I've been through. There's a cost to follow Jesus. It's a daily dying to self. Daily dying to self. People want the easy road with all the benefits. Have you seen in France, they're all upset. They want, they, they want um, more benefits from the government. And then there's other countries now, even the United States, looking at just a four-day work week. It's in human nature not to work. And, of course, France is a socialist country country, so they want them to provide things for them, and they can't afford it, so anytime they make a move, it's, it's nuts. We have to walk in Christ, and it's a huge cost. And when we think about what Jesus said to people, go sell all that you have and come and follow me. Think about that. He shows up today. And he says, Brian, go sell all that you have. Give it to Owen. <laughs> and go follow. No. But, you know, when he thinks, when he says something like, you're like, uh, then he says, Jesus says, leave father and mother. Don't worry about burying them. Go home and follow me. That's some intense stuff. Pick up your cross and follow me. He goes into the church. You've made my house a den of thieves. And he starts flipping over tables and he grabs his whip and he's chasing everybody out. Can you imagine a local pastor on TV flipping over chairs and running people out of the church with a whip? Sometimes things about Jesus just are like, whoa. Did you have a bad day? No, I mean, 
But you have to think about these things. Why, why did he do something like that? Because Solomon brought all these women in, and he married them, and then he built temples to their gods. And he built a temple of Baal to one of his wives. And if you walked into the temple of Baal, whoever you were, you had to kiss the statue of Baal. And they believe Solomon kissed that statue. And they believe that toward the middle two-thirds of his life, he knew he had turned from God, but he started conjuring up sorcery and evil spirits with priests and stuff. And so they believe that when Jesus went to the temple, they were following the ways of Solomon. Now, Solomon, I believe, changed at the end of his life. He said it was all vanity. But Jesus looked at the temple, and there were the priests in there, and these people, and they were having idolatry, and they were trying to gain power by calling up demons, and Jesus just went nuts. I get it. His father's house, demonic. It's not going to happen. They talk about this in the, some writings called the Keys of Solomon. To be saved is to believe and receive. It's full of challenges, and it's not easy, the life of Christ. But let me tell you what's happened in America and the reason I believe where we are today in this nation. I, I put the blame on the church. I, I put the blame on believers and pastors. The American Culture and Faith Institute did interviews and surveys. The American Culture of Faith Institute, and they asked churches throughout America about basic doctrines like, is Satan real? Did Jesus live a sinless life? And 70% of the churches they surveyed, surveyed did not line up with basic biblical doctrine. 70% of the churches in the United States didn't line up with the simple things in the Bible. Only 100,000 did. Then when they surveyed the 100,000 churches that did, only 2% of those churches, which would be 2,000, or no, it would be more than that, said that they preached against those things and taught about those things. So we only have 2% of 100,000 churches being biblical from the pulpit because they didn't want to run people off or stop them from giving or offend them. What? This is why America is in a mess. I, I've been telling folks, I've been going to pastoral meetings and, and, and praying with pastors and stuff, but I am in shock with the way men and women are living and what's not being taught in the church. And if I look at all that, I can get discouraged. I don't have it all together, but I'm going to preach the word unashamedly. 
the whole countenance of God's Word. We're going to talk about sin, and we're going to talk about blessings. We're going to talk about avoiding this, staying away from this, and what are the consequences of this. We're not going to scoot around something just so we don't offend somebody because the gospel is offensive. But it's also when it's, when it's called out and pointed out, people understand why Jesus died for them to give them that opportunity to be free from that. Who's over 50 this morning? Let me see your hand. All those over 50. Oh, my gosh. We should have some of the most holy people. Because you've lived long enough now that the older you get in Christ, the better you should be. Amen? Don't you think so? I think that's what happens. People get in their 70s and 80s and they're like, finally, Lord, I'm walking the way you want to walk. And God goes, come on. Whoop. Somebody said, I just want to go back and be 20 again. Oh, no, 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 no way. No way. I love the season I'm in. Amen? God has you right where he wants you. We still sin, we still struggle, but Jesus makes us an overcomer. And so when it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity, covetousness, must not even be named among you. It doesn't mean that you don't mess up because you do. But you don't let that pattern continue. Amen. It's called sanctification. We are growing. And we're not perfect. So I'm not here to condemn you this morning. I'm just saying repent, turn, and get back in line with Christ. That's what he's asking us to do. And then it goes on, you know, the foolish talk, the coarse joking. You shouldn't be joking in ungodly manners, even if you're working with ungodly people. Come on now. You don't want to be one of the girls, one of the guys. I mean, if you're a married woman and you're in that office or in that factory and all the gals are going, oh, did you see that new supervisor? Oh, eye candy, eye candy, eye candy. And you're going, oh, eye candy. <laughs> you are being a dummy. That's not being a witness. What you need to be saying is, my eye candy is working today, and there's nobody better than him. Come on now. Amen. Say amen, ladies. I'm trying to help you men out. And vice versa, men, some of the things you say. I can't stand it when I hear a guy call his wife the old lady. I think that's so disrespectful. Even though I married a cougar. But she's not an old lady. She's just three days older than me. But every turn, 30, 40, 50. Baby, I'm only 49. <laughs> we need to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. These last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6 in Ephesians, you know, we're talking about how to walk it out. The first three, we were talking about who you are in Christ. Now we're going to talk about how to walk it out. I can't wait to get to next week because we're about to get into marriage. 
parenthood. Point number two, what is my biggest daily battle? I want you to write that down. What is my biggest daily battle? What is it that you struggle with the most? Maybe it comes out of Ephesians 5, 3 through 5. What's your biggest battle? Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. In other words, quit complaining. Why is it in marriages we're always on the defense? It's killing marriage. You've had a bad day at work. It's been a long day. And you come home and your spouse says to you, are you okay? Why? You think I got a problem? Are you saying something? That just shuts them down. Quit being so defensive. Why couldn't you say, it's been a long day. It's been really hard. And maybe they'll just say, well, man, let me just pray for you. Let me encourage you. We get so defensive. We don't want to violate God's word. Sexual immorality, the Greek, it's pornea. Impure things that violate God and his standards. Sex is not to be used outside the context of marriage. Period. Stay pure, stay holy. God will bless you. Be careful with your mouth. Verse 4, offensive, rude words, the use of profanity. In verses 5 and 6, Paul's telling us why we should avoid these behaviors. Why? Because it's inconsistent with God and who Christ is. It's inconsistent with his character. And when you do mess up, don't just go run and hide. Man, repent, turn, and move on. You see, failure is not fatal, amen? amen? Aren't you glad or we'd all be dead? Because we've all failed. Failure is not fatal. But you can allow the Holy Spirit to convict. You can see how you grieve the Holy Spirit or somebody and you can turn, repent, and get back up. Here at Church Alive, as a, as a staff, we do not partake in alcohol. A lot of the new studies coming out about alcohol are saying just a little bit, once or twice a week, is starting to affect people's health. Start, just Google that and research it. See what it's doing. It's amazing how people think, well, I just need a little red wine for my stomach. <laughs> I got a friend, she told me that. I just need a little red wine. I've been watching her posts. She's drinking more and more wine every day. That's all she's talking about now. She's on a road to alcoholism, and it's destroying her. But it just started with a little bit each week. Well, I'm Italian. That's what we do. 
Really? That's what you're going to use as an excuse? Your culture doesn't determine your Christianity. Whatever you do, it do it in moderation and be very careful. That's all I'm saying. Just be careful. Point number three. Are you wise in your walk? Are you wise in your walk? Matthew 5.17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Are you wise in your walk? Are you being careful not to let the devil put a crack, open up a crack, do something there in a relationship, in a friendship, in a work relationship? Are you being wise and what you're doing. Even in marriage, where you were wronged, hurt, you must forgive. Everybody say amen. amen. But some want to hold on to the wrong in marriage. They want to hang on to it because they feel like this hurt, I want to let them know how long they've hurt me and I want to hang on to it so I can just kind of use it as a poking stick to let them know, you wronged me. That's not Jesus. Your vindication that you're trying to use, your way of twisting things to try to be revengeful, that is not God. Jesus said, die to self. It's real quiet in here. Die to self. You see, forgiveness is just as much for you as is the one that hurt you. Forgiveness is just as much for you as it is for the one that hurt you. Do not allow division to sever a relationship. Because when division gets in, one goes this way, one goes this way, they're busy, they come home, they're on their phone, they're doing their task, they're da-da-da-da-da, you know, and, and, you know, before long, division has separated, and you're no longer one. You have two eyes living in the same house that just pass in the wind. Well, he won't change. She won't change. And you justify your actions, and you forget about the covenant that you gave to God, and you said for better or worse in sickness or in health. And sometimes there's some worse in marriage. Amen? If you don't believe it, just ask Shaloi. She'll give you some examples of some of my worst times. But thank God she was willing to forgive and sometimes forget. No, she, she forgets. But we hang on to our agenda, consumed with anything but each other. And what happens is your relationship develops individual lives, and then you divide. And one of the reasons God hates divorce is it destroys kids. 
Oh, they'll be resilient. They'll move. No, no, no. It's devastating. My wife came from a divorced family. I saw what it did to her and her brother. Long-term effects. So be careful. And be careful not to be so defensive when asked a question. All of a sudden, why do this? I do that. Stop justifying what you're doing. Start saying, Holy Spirit, if I'm to die to myself and to love her or him unconditionally, help me to do that at the cost of who I am because you'll bless me in the long run. Mm. Because when you won't do that, you're saying, I'm not open to change. I don't want to hear. I want to shut you down. I want to keep harboring anger and resentment. And the other problem, as we dive into marriage later on this month, is we have men that are Ahabs. You're weak. Don't say that word, Owen. That's slang could be considered vulgarity. You're weak, you're spineless. You just want to keep the peace. And you don't stand for righteousness. And then we have in marriages Jezebels who are controlling, manipulating. Just doesn't have to be just a woman, it could be in a man. Narcissistic one of the biggest, now I'm really going to make conservatives real happy here. One of the biggest narcissists, narcissists in this country is Donald Trump. Oh, man, I've gone beyond what I should have gone. There he goes. He went to meddling. Don't make him an idol. Anybody... When gay marriage was passed, anybody that invites a bunch of homosexuals to their house in Mar-a-Lago and celebrates this with them and tells them he's going to do everything he can for them, and that's a fact, be careful what you're pushing. As believers, we need to be prayed up we need to be discerning. Bill Clinton did his garbage in office with Monica. Obama did his garbage in office promoting homosexuality. Bush did his garbage in office promoting a war when there were no weapons of mass destruction. And I'm telling you, you can look at our nation and you can look at whoever's on top and when they make these huge mistakes, it flows down there. Now we have a very narcissistic society today where nobody's, I'm not wrong, you can't tell me, and you got to be very careful, church. Hear me in love. Don't make a person an idol. Amen. We have way too much to do for the kingdom of God. Come on now. Don't build things to get a name. Build it because you want Jesus to get the glory. Yeah. 
And I'm not saying you can't choose when it's time to vote the lesser of two evils. I'm not telling you that. I'm just saying be very careful you don't idolize. Oh, I wasn't even going to talk about that today. Boy, that's just made some people really happy. Let's just go back. Sexual immorality, all impurity, covetousness, don't even let it be named among you. No filthiness, nor foolish talk, or crude joking. Don't be calling people names at your political rallies and telling everybody how terrible they are if you, came to, if you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Come on now. The Bible says they're going to know us by our fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, self-control. Jerry Falwell Jr., Liberty University president, was doing ungodly things with his wife and some young man. He had meetings with some of these candidates to promote them. And they agreed to help him get the right attorneys to try to get out of some of this stuff. Listen to me, church. There's a lot of evil at the top going on. Come on now. And it's going to get exposed even more so. While we're on this earth, let's win the next one for Jesus. Let's help disciple them. Let's help love those around us. We have enough right now trying to take care of family members and friends that have all kinds of messes and discipling them. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> Somebody's like, well, say something about Joe Biden. No. I don't even have to say. You can just see. You can see the fruit in their lives. Mm -hmm. We have to be careful, even in our own relationships, that we don't get an attitude of, what is your problem? I'm not open to talking to you. We get defensive. And you shut them down. Be careful not to let that Ahab or Jezebel spirit into your marriage also. Let's keep looking at these scriptures. Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making sure making the best of those because the days of evil therefore because of the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is men a gentleman is very gentle ladies a proverbs 31 wife loves her husband doesn't try to control him I'm going to close with Acts chapter 3. Peter and John 
or going to church, going to the temple. They come up on a beggar outside of the temple. He's there every day begging. People, he's lame. People had to get him there. People had to, I don't know if he helped with what he got, help give them some money because they helped him. I don't know. But now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Peter and John were going to the church to pray. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from their hand. Do you have anything you can give me? Can you, can you help me out today? You know, I'm poor, I'm lame. I'm just trying to stay afloat here. Do you have anything to give me? And Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And he began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And those in the temple recognized that he was the one that stood out. As I was working on this message, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to share this story again because there's somebody here watching that needs this. So I'm just obeying the Lord as we close today. Two days, my dad will have his birthday. He would be 87. We, we lost him a year and a half ago, July the 10th. But about 8.30 or 9 o'clock, I believe it was a Friday night, my dad had gone to the hospital. And the doctor called me and said, we're losing your dad. If you want to see him, you need to come up now. This is right in the middle of COVID. They weren't letting a lot of people up, and I said, I'll be right there. So I get there, and they're like, you can't go in unless you gown up, mask up, glove up. And I went in there, and he was just gasping for breath. He didn't recognize me, so I took the mask down. I said, Dad, it's me. Oh, son, son, I'm so thirsty. Could you give me some Gatorade? So he drank four glasses of Gatorade. As I sat beside his bed, and I just held his hand. I said, Dad, they're saying you're not going to make it till through the night. Oh, son, I will. Well, they're saying, Dad, it's looking really bad. You've got COVID. Your lungs are filling up. 
blood clots. My dad's always told me, I don't want to go to a nursing home. Just let me go. So I said, Dad, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for a miracle here. I'm just going to love on you and hold your hand. And tell you, what a great dad you've been, especially after you gave up alcohol. Every day. Every other day, he would come to the church. What can I do around here, son? How can I help you once he retired? What can I fix? We'd been in this place about a year. I was coming out of the sanctuary one day. He was out there with his little cart, cleaning windows and getting trash. And I walked out there, and he looked at me, and he said, Son, son, look around. And I'm looking. He said, son, you've done good. You've done really good. I said, no, dad, Jesus has done good. He goes, I know that, but you've done good. So I'm holding his hand and I'm telling him about teaching me to play basketball, baseball. Coming at times when nobody else would come to help me move or do something. Thanking him over and over again. We were laughing. I was crying. Why am I telling you this story? Because sometimes all you got to give is your hand. All I had to give him was my hand that night. Son, you're a good boy. Dad, I'm just holding your hand because I love you. Then my sister showed up. And after we laughed and told stories, and I hugged him and kissed him, prayed for him, she said, I'll spend the night. You come in the morning and relieve me. And about 5.35, I got a call that he'd gone on to be with Jesus. No regrets. No regrets on my part. Because I extended my hand to just let him know. He had these great big old hands. Dad, I love you. And Jesus is right here with you. I'm just going to hold your hand. Stand with me this morning. Sometimes in life, We can get caught up in the political. We can get caught up in conflict in our marriage. Sometimes all we got to give them is Jesus. And that's a great thing to give them, but we tend to think, what more can I do? Sometimes it's just holding them, asking them to forgive you, being Christ to them. You don't see all the turmoil that was way before you ever came into their life that they're harboring and hurting or that child is facing. Silver and gold have I not, but what I give to you. Rise up and walk. So many are at the gate 
feeling broken, needing reached. And you and I are Peter's and John's. And we're just to reach out and pull them up, hold them, hug them. Forgive them. <laughs> Had a family member that was very angry, very upset. Said and done a lot of things to hurt a lot of the family members. And I called that person. I said, hey, dad's not going to make it. You might want to come and see him. And as I was walking in, they were walking out. And they were crying. And they looked at me and they said, I'm so sorry for what I've done to you and what I've said to you. Please forgive me. And I said, I forgave you a long time ago. Just give me a hug. That's what God wants us to do. With heads bowed, Christians praying right now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He loves you so much. This is not a poor Owen story up here. This is a rejoicing story. It's not about what you have or what you can do. It's about who you are in Christ. If you don't know Jesus today and you want to make him your Lord and Savior, would you just lift your hand and say, Owen, that is me. Or maybe you walked away and you're like, it's time for me to get back in line with God. Would you just lift your hand high? Yes. Yes. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm just going to pray yes. Anybody else? Just lift it up and take it back down. I just want to, yes. Oh, my goodness. Anybody else? A lot of hands going up today. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're watching by line. You don't know Christ. You can receive him. Before I pray, anybody else? I want to receive Christ. After we pray, I'll have Pastor Taylor up here. He'll have some information, Bibles. If you gave your life to the Lord, would you come up and see him? We want to help you, get you plugged in. If you do it online, email us. Get on Facebook and say, have somebody call me. I want everybody to say this with me, especially those that lifted their hands. Say, dear Jesus, you love me so much. You lived the example, went to the cross, died for me. Then you rose from the grave. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. I receive you into my heart. Give me a hunger for your word to fellowship with believers and grow in you. In Jesus' name. I just want to pray for everybody else, but with heads bowed, you're here this morning, you say, Owen, I've been walking in a lot of condemnation, I've been struggling with screw-ups, mess-ups. It's affected my marriage. It's affected my parenting. It's affected my attitude toward my parents or my co-workers. I've let the world put a chip on my shoulder. Nobody look around. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand up and take it back down? You're saying, I got to change. Come on, lift it up high. Yes. I just want to give these things to God. Yes. Yes. Just take it up and put it back down. What you're saying is, God, you're the God of second chances. I'm, I'm laying this on the altar. And, and, and I want you to help me, Jesus, out of Ephesians 5 to do better. Anybody else remember me in prayer? Just lift it up and take it back down. Don't want to miss you. 
Yes, 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 yes. Lord, I pray for all these hands and those that didn't lift a hand. Lord, I don't want them to be condemned. I want them to be loved. But break down the barriers. Help them to run from temptation. Help them, Lord, to find believers they can count on and trust in. But Jesus, wrap your arms around them this morning and love on them. Let them walk you out in their life. And Holy Spirit, empower them. We just ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. If you gave your life to the Lord, would you please come up here and see Pastor Taylor? If you'd like to support the ministry at Church Alive, there are three easy ways for you to give. You can give at www.churchalivewc.org. Click the giving button in the top of the menu. Then you will scroll to the giving page. And there you will choose a designation. Then type in the amount you'd like to give. You can choose to give to another fund by clicking the Add a Donation button. Leave a comment or make your gift reoccurring by clicking in the box. Then you will click whether you want to give by a card or your bank account. Enter your information and check the amount you want to give, then click the Submit button. You can also give through the Church Alive app that can be found in your phone's app store. Once you've downloaded the app, click on the Church Alive app, click the Giving button, and then click Continue on the next page. You'll be taken to the app's Giving page. From there, follow the instructions for giving online. If you'd like to send a check, the address is Church Alive Worship Center at 2401 South 100 West, Lafayette, Indiana, 47909. We want to thank you for being part of the Church Life family, and we pray that God will bless you.